In 2012, Davis Jones lost his dad to prostate cancer, and he's not alone. One in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer, including nearly 250,000 men in the United States this year. Davis is embarking on a 100-plus mile bike ride to raise money for prostate cancer research and awareness. We're talking about that and about the first time Davis and I met when he was smack in the middle of a 100-mile run. That's all on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Davis Jones, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. Long time no see. I know, my brother. It's good to uh, to see you. We're on the digital divide today as we're in separate places, but based on the beauty of technology, we're still able to, man, host the majority of these podcasts we do this way, which works out great. And uh, everybody can can jump in the studio. We can have a great conversation and we can head off for whatever we got to do next. I know you're a, you're a busy guy. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but man, it is. It's good to see you, brother. Likewise. Yeah. It's good to see you when it's not uh, 25 degrees and, and cold, <laughs> rainy and right. just brutal environment as we're, right. uh, we're running through the night. So uh, I like that's this right. format a lot better. It's a, you are a good man. Cause that's a great tease to how we met and how we spent basically a day together, 24 hours, uh, or at least through a, a lot of it. And that was when you ran a hundred miles for the first time, we're going to talk about three things today. Well, I've got you with us and you guys listen to pick up the six podcast. Got my man, Davis Jones with us. So one is when you ran a hundred miles for the first time. Another thing that I want to talk about is you've been racing cars recently, which I think is pretty cool. And you're nearing a 116 mile bike ride. And you're going to raise a bunch of money for prostate cancer. So a busy guy. Oh, and you got a family and a full-time job and all that stuff too. Yeah. 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 Got to, uh, got to work in the family there and, and sure. definitely a full-time job. Cause it, uh, certainly, Allows me to afford some of this stuff that we do, yeah. some of the crazy yeah. stuff we do. So, absolutely. So, so, the first time we met, you were smack dab in the middle of a 24-hour endurance race going after 100 miles. And as you guys know, uh, and maybe you've seen it, if not, we'll share the link to the short documentary that we made here at Pick Up the Six Productions, about 17 minutes from the Oakwood 24. The Oakwood 24 is a 24-hour endurance race, and it's in our backyard. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina, and a mutual and a good friend of both of ours, John Fry and his wife Jackie, host that every year. And it's an endurance race to raise money for the Healing Transitions, which is a men's rehabilitation center in Raleigh. It's an incredible place, and it has quite literally saved lives, John's included. And he does a yearly fundraiser in which he's an ultra athlete. And he thinks, well, you know what? Why don't we get all my friends out there? We'll run, run for 24 hours. We'll see how far people kill. We'll raise a bunch of money. That's what he did. And on that fateful day, you ended up going for the 24 hours. You got a hundred miles and uh, it was quite an accomplishment, my friend. So let's go back and talk about that. How was yeah. that experience for you? Did you know you were going for a hundred when you got there? I did. Yeah. In my head, I was going to do the hundred. Um, you know, it kind of goes back uh, late 2000s. Um, my wife entered us in our first half marathon and she was all gung ho about it. I was like, I don't know, but I'll, I'll do it with you. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a long story short, we did it. Uh, I ended the race on a super you know, runner's high and she ended the race saying she'd never do one again. So <laughs> um, from then on out, I, I kept doing things, marathons. I did uh, a few ultras leading up to the hundred. But uh, when I got out there at Oakwood, it was in my mind that I was going to do the whole thing. Um, I just was not expecting uh, the pain, uh, both physically and mentally, that a hundred miles will, will put through your body and your mind. And then uh, obviously we had a, a kind of a long, dark, cold mm. night. I think it got to the oh low 20s God. that night. 
So Dude, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit brutal. It was brutal. Let's let's paint the picture for what this event's like. And again, a lot of our listeners are very familiar with ultra races and long distance running. Um, uh, we had Scott and Jesse on to talk about their first hundred mile race. We had Jeff from Tailwind talk a lot about the things that they do there. By the way, great product and love what they're doing at Tailwind Nutrition. The way that John sets it up is, and it's really neat because it's a 24 hour race really an event. I mean, it really is an event and it's through this historic cemetery in Raleigh, this Oakwood historic cemetery. So it's, it's a pretty incredible uh, setting for an event like that. It's a two and a half mile ish kind of track. And then you just run around that jammer <laughs> for 24 right, hours, right. Which is, but it makes for a really neat experience. Obviously the scenery is pretty incredible. And then you just constantly have people sort of flowing through it right throughout the course of it. So how was it for you? I mean, I know is you, you mentioned the overnight. I mean, that was, it's in December guys. It gets dark early. It stays dark for a while. And it was really cold. It was a long, it was a long night, but outside of the long night, what do you remember most about that experience? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking back on that experience, um, these ultra marathons to me are more mental than they are physical. Um, certainly you have to have the, the physical side of it, but you know, there's just a lot of times, especially in a two mile loop, you know, you're, you're able to, to pull the, pull the rip cord per se. And, uh, go get in a warm bed, hot shower in a warm bed. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the mental thing was, was the biggest deal, but look, I, I, you know, getting the inspiration from some of the other guys that were coming out there and <clears throat> kind of keeping us company, especially through the night um, was really beneficial. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, getting through mile 70, 75 was, I don't want to say easy, but it mm -hmm. was uh, manageable. And then the rest of it was, uh, was quite difficult. Uh, the good thing is you mentioned John and Jackie. Um, Jackie is a very strong woman. And uh, she came to me when I was a, in a pretty dark place and basically told me that she was going to stay out there until I finished 100. So, you know, at that point, I knew I had to do it all. Um, so just having the, the support out there was fantastic. And then, you know, you, Brian, you, you stuck it out uh, for the full 24 hours out there with us. Was, that was really cool as well. So. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a great group of people. It was a documentary camera crew of I had another buddy that was there with me at the beginning, another friend who flew a drone, but yeah, it was a crew of one for that, for that experience. <laughs> right. Not not a lot of people want to stick it out for the overnight. Uh, but right. that's okay, man. It was awesome. There's a moment in the video, and again, we'll share the link in the show notes where you're recapping and you say exactly that. You said, Jackie came to me, was in a dark way. And she said, you're doing the hundred. And that was pretty much no matter how long it takes. And that was uh, pretty much that. What I thought was incredible was you had your family out there for quite a bit of it. Uh, your wife took some laps with you. Your son ran you in at the end, but I remember you going out for your last lap that would have made it a hundred. And your wife said, you want me to go with you? And you said, no, I'll take this one by myself. And you did the last one by yourself. What, what was that last lap like? What were you doing? Who were you talking to out there on that last go around? Yeah, it's, I think when you get to the last lap, uh, I mean, for me, <clears throat> I just kind of wanted to be my, by myself with my thoughts. I mean, running provides a lot of clarity for me. And kind of to back up a little bit, I started uh, running in a meaningful way after my father passed away in 2011. And, you know, it was kind of a lap where I could just reflect on that a little bit. I mean, that's been one of the, it has been the toughest thing in my life. And to be able to do that lap and kind of talk to him a little bit during the lap and, and uh, you know, you, when you lose a parent and uh, one that you have a really good relationship with, like I had with my father, um, it's tough. It's tough to not be able to call him at the end of 100 miles and say, dude, I did it. 
But, uh, you know, I know he's up there listening, up there watching. So I kind of wanted to be by myself with my thoughts and, and talk to him a little bit. And uh, that was kind of special. And then, as you mentioned, as, uh, as I came around the last corner in a very slow, uh, hobbling fashion, my, uh, my eight-year-old son met me, seven at the time. He met me there. And that was really cool and special because we did name him after my dad. So, um, you know, it's kind of a continuation of his name, his legacy. So that was uh, – it was it was pretty awesome, man. Uh, in the in the midst of mental and phys- physical pain, to have those moments uh, as a family, um, you know, family here on earth as well as in heaven, and just just a really cool experience. I will tell you, you don't give yourself enough credit because while while you were hobbling on the way out on that lap, you did come in with a little extra kick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you had a nice kick at the end to, to finish that thing out, which is pretty impressive, man. Well, I couldn't let my son beat me over the finish line. That's that was a thing, you know, yeah, so point. that was, uh, had yeah. a little motivation there. Yeah, fair I would point. have never heard the end of that. Fair point. Fair point, man. It was, it was an amazing event. Uh, John and Jackie gearing up for, I think what will be their fourth year, if I'm not mistaken of the event. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. Right. Fourth year this year, December the 11th for all of you listening that are within, uh, walking, running, bike riding, driving distance, uh, of the Raleigh area. Uh, by all means, come on with it. Uh, December the 11th, they're going to do the Oakwood 24 for the fourth time and will be another incredible event. I know we'll be out there uh, running some miles this year, which will really be uh, a fun thing to do. And it is just, it's a great time. It's a great day to see people push their physical limits. And a lot of guys and gals go for PRs on a day like that because you can have great fellowship, but you can also knock out a ton of miles. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that event that they put on is so cool and, and good thing that, uh, you're getting the word out to everybody that listens to the show. I, you know, they, they do an amazing job with the event itself, but mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know what, uh, what they raised last year, but the year that I participated 2019, it was a little over $104,000 that went to healing transition. So um, it's pretty awesome, especially when you are, you know, your friends and you're, you know, a lot of people that have been uh, positively impacted by that organization. And I don't want to speak for anybody, but just, you know, talking to those people, it's very apparent that a lot of them feel that they may not be around if yeah. that place didn't exist. So um, very cool event. I can't, I can't plug that enough. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. We'll get John on the show, John and Jackie, to be honest with you, it would be great. We'll have, we'll have them come on before the event in December. See if that's something we can't get done here in the next few weeks. John usually says, well, come run with me and we'll record an episode while we're running. But John, <laughs> I need you to stop for a minute. I need you to stop for a few minutes. <laughs> we can do yeah, that. Yeah, well, but you gotta get you gotta get Jackie involved. That's that's, that's the move. Yeah, I think you're exactly that's right. right. That's a good call. So you talked about your dad and, and talking to him on that last up. Let's talk about this 116 mile bike ride you've got going on here in a few weeks. As we record here today, it's the fifth. So you're about eight days away. You're gonna ride this thing on the 13th of November. And you've got this idea to ride a pretty big chunk of miles, raise a bunch of money for prostate cancer. So tell me about what you got going on and why you're doing it. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was almost a spur of the moment deal. I, in 2000 to 2020, last year, kind of the dark year in history mm. uh, of, of our lives, <clears throat> I got uh, injured. I had a pinched nerve in my neck and it was causing some physical side effects. So I took some time off running. And uh, when I picked it back up, I was kind of doing a little bit, but really like I've always been a competitive person. I've always needed something to push toward uh, physically when I'm doing these things. And I just wasn't feeling it like I used to. So I jumped on the bike one day and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's something mm-hmm. different, something, something new that I could challenge myself with. Have you, then, has uh, you, have you used the bike just for some cross training, just a, an extra right piece of fitness? 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I used to do some mountain biking when I lived in Atlanta, but mm -hmm. uh, since we moved to Raleigh, I hadn't been really doing, this has been about six years ago, I hadn't really done any biking, but we moved uh, last year and we moved to a, an area where there's a pretty big road biking community. So I'm like, well, I'd give it a try. So kind of, you know, when I exercise, I get a lot of clarity. Sometimes mm -hmm. the, the ideas are very bad ideas that they come through my mind, but uh, you know, I'm exercising. I'm like, why don't I try to, to, you know, put a fundraiser on for prostate cancer awareness, which is what my, my dad passed away from. And, you know, one in eight men um, in the United States will wow. get diagnosed with some form of prostate cancer. So, you know, it's, it's kind of what men deal with, um, uh, you know, as women deal with the, the breast cancer thing. So just wanted to raise awareness, raise some money for it. And uh, just kind of got this idea during November, which is, you know, Movember, um, throw the mustache out for, for men's health awareness to do 160 miles and, um, you know, try to raise a, a few bucks for it. So yeah, we're going to be doing that next weekend, a week from tomorrow. Um, I've got four routes planned, one 50 miler, one 30 miler, one 20 miler, and then we'll end up with a 16. And that's just to encourage some, some people to come out, uh, all skill levels. Um, just be great to have the camaraderie out there. Um, people to ride. And I've already gotten a pretty good response as to, you know, people are going to show up, whether it's, to come out and ride bikes or to come out and run a little bit during the event, which is highly encouraged. It'd just be great to have a bunch of folks out there and kind of understand what we're doing. But uh, yeah, super excited. Uh, so far we've raised close to $5,000 uh, for this nice. organization. Nice. Zero cancer that lobbies and does a lot of stuff for prostate cancer awareness and just have the goal of getting to, to 10,000, which I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we'll get there. So oh, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, uh, it's a cool thing to have something to focus on. Um, cause as I mentioned before, you know, the passing of my father was, is the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life, but it's nice to be able to do things positive like this, where you can kind of honor his memory and his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that exact word, right? This is legacy stuff. When you're able to have a positive impact, you know, and you're able to give real resources to an organization that, that can, can help people through that process. All right. So you're at five grand goals to get to 10 guys. Let's help them get there. You got to, I know you've got a website, give us some info where people can one, just go throw, throw some cash at this thing, which I know our <laughs> listeners will do. So how can they help you? How can they, how can they check it out? Yeah. So it's uh zerocancer.org is the website. And then uh, you can just search my name, Davis Jones in there. Uh, there's a little link for endurance athletes and I'm just doing a, a do it yourself. Um, they called off all of their sanctioned events this year because of COVID uh, still, still kind of runs rampant uh, in, in the States here, but uh, yeah, you can search my name, Davis Jones, it pops up. And then Brian, I can send you a link if you don't mind kind of attaching Please. that yep. where people can go on there and, and read about it and uh, donate. Uh, even if you got a couple bucks to, to part ways with uh, would be much appreciated. The other cool thing is we're going to be launching from um, Lafayette village kind of in North Raleigh. Um, there's a great little craft beer store up that area called Crafty Beer, and the owner has agreed to put a keg on tap uh, for anybody who participates and donates. So, uh, boom! Free beer. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a nice added benefit for someone who, <laughs> as of yesterday, just signed up, having not known that. Right, right. Tidbit. So that's great. You, yes, your donation gets you some free beer. So, thank you very much, Beautiful. Brian. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we uh, we got in it yesterday. Uh, threw a couple bucks into the, into the, uh, the kitty. And, uh, we've got a few family commitments that day, but I'm going to come ride the 30 mile loop with you on the 13th. So carved a little bit of time out, 
So we'll uh, we'll kit up, we'll gear up, we'll come up, bring the bike up, and uh, and ride a little bit. It's incredible, man. You know, one out of eight, right? One in every eight, including two hundred and forty-eight thousand men in the United States this year alone, right? So let's see what we can do here to help you. And and uh, man, just so grateful that you're putting it out there to to raise awareness for this. Hundred and sixteen miles would be a pretty long day, I, I assume, with all the different routes. Uh, you know, you got f- people who feed in and out, but that'll be one of those things where you'll have similar to the Oakwood, right? You have somebody with you. The entire time, which should make for uh, a fun day too, even with a heavy, you know, kind of reason why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. No, it'll be good. It'll be awesome. Uh, like I said, I've already gotten a pretty good response with people coming out there, and um, you know, for me, it's a uh, even though it's 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 kind of something associated with a tough time in my life. It uh, brings a lot of happiness as well. Mm. So, you know, the when I look at that one and eight, I think about all these other men. You know, these dads, uncles. You know, it's like if we can help save some of those people with uh, raising raising some money and, you know, it's it's a very positive thing for me. And, uh, you know, I always like to put something behind a fundraising event. It's like I'm, I'm not just out there trying to ask for for money. I'm going to do something for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully do something for it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good thing. It's It'll be cool to have you out there for the 30 miler for sure. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Tell me a little bit about your dad, man. What was that relationship like? Oh, he's a cool guy. Um, so he was, you know, he was your typical dad when I was growing up. I mean, I was a typical, you know, kid, teenager, the whole thing, you know. Um, but, you know, it's one of those deals where he, after, gosh, after high school, when I was in college, he kind of switched it over and, and became more of a friend to me. And, uh, you know, that relationship really blossomed after college and we just became big time buds, you know, and um, I would say he and I were two people that were complimentary of each other. We had different personalities, but complimented each other very well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just a just a great guy. And he was always a real hard worker, like just a, a great inspirational character in my life and lucky to have him because, um, you know, you look at some of these people out there that, that don't have what we had. Um, mm. And I always say, like, look, he was taken from us way too early, but we made we made a ton of memories in the time he was here. Um, so very fortunate to have those memories. Um, and, you know, it's 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 one of those things that it's a it's a bittersweet deal. But uh, we had a lot of fun when he was around, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I hear you. And, and uh you know, it's one of those things in life, man, where regardless of the amount of time you get, you know, it's a, it's a quality over quantity thing sometimes, you know, in those relationships, but, but when you live them full and, and it's hard, right. Cause we get caught up in, in daily life and all that, what you don't want to do is look back on back, man, I wish we would have, wish we could have done more, wish we would have done more. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, and I know you've, I'm oh, sure yeah, you've and it, about you know, the other part about it is it's, you know, he, he taught me a lot about how to be a dad mm. to, to my son. You know, I'll never forget, you know, every single I played soccer through college and every single game, man, he was standing there on the sidelines. Even when I was a freshman riding the pine, you know, he was standing there on the sidelines. And that wasn't an easy thing. That wasn't like, you know, it's it's in our city. And, you know, he had to make a two and a half hour trip for every game. And he was always there. He was always there supporting me no matter what. And uh, just a just a, a fantastic example of a, a man to me. Um, so cool guy. And you know, I still, it's, we're going to go on 10 years since he passed away. We'll be, you know, next year will be 10 years and you still try to try to do all the right things and, and make him proud and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
cool to have that relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I can see it. You can hear it in your voice. Uh, awesome, man. All right, dude. So congratulations with what's going to be, I know a successful event. Don't drop me on the bike. Okay. You've been probably riding a lot more than I have. I've been running a fair amount. So I'm going to hope that the base, the fitness base is there. Uh, no, but you'll, you'll you got to save you'll a little in the tank, right? This will be your second loop. So this I know be, you'll yeah, be conserving this will be your second a little loop. bit. You you'll be remember, 50 there's, in. There's free beer for you when you get done. So oh, that matters. Yeah, I might, we I might a fill a water out. bottle up with one too. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's only 30 miles, right? <laughs> it's only 30. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Man. I was putting a little pressure, emotional headlock on some of my buddies around here. Say, let's go up there and ride bikes and have a good time and help Davis with what's going to be a great cause. So you can only go so fast on a bike, but you've been, you've been kind of uh, going pretty fast recently in the, in the, the car racing world. So tell me yeah, a little bit about yeah. this passion. Uh, and I mean, super hobby i mean what what what's the deal what are you doing with car racing yeah i mean i told you earlier you wanted to turn this podcast into a long thing we're man. about to we're gearhead you're about to go gearhead it's about to get yeah yeah, yeah you go gearhead on me we're gonna go yeah. we're gonna go for a while um yeah so you know kind of tying into to my dad um he raced back in the late 70s and early 80s okay so i've been around it i was born in 1980 i've been around it since day one and um it, it's it's an addiction man it's it's something that you know they talk about like uh octane running through your blood. That's, that's kind of what I've got. And so he and I, uh, we bought a, a Porsche 911, a 1972 911, uh, back in 2006. And we raced that until he passed away in 2011. We would co-drive it during these vintage racing events. Mm -hmm. And I continued to race that car for a little while after he was gone and then wanted to get something else. Um, something wanted to go faster. Um, okay. So I got this little purpose-built race car. It's called a Taiga. They're made in England, handmade in England. Um, and they were made back in the mid eighties. And, uh, you know, they raced professionally, um, through probably early two thousands. And then the series kind of became defunct for some reason, mm -hmm. but, uh, recently a bunch of guys have been buying them up, restoring them and then going vintage racing. So, you know, Every weekend we take it out, we've got, you know, 20 to 30 cars like ours that we're racing against. But um, just a, a, an amazing, you know, thrill, amazing hobby that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do. So tell me, give me an explanation as to what this thing looks like and feels like, right? So I want to, I want our listeners to, you know, kind of have to close their eyes and picture this thing. Obviously we can share a picture and go Google and all that. And I can picture a Porsche out on the course. I can picture an Indy car, right? I can picture a NASCAR, even a modified, right? Cause I've been to a lot of dirt track racing throughout my days, but tell me a little bit about what this thing looks like, feels like, and, and how you're racing it. Yeah. So it's a, it's an open cockpit car. Okay. Um, it's got, uh, you know, it's got body work covering the wheels, but it's a, uh, it's kind of a, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a wedge shaped car. Um, super lightweight. The car weighs 1300 pounds with me in it. So it's a, a really lightweight car. Um, and it's got one purpose is to, to go fast and to race. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a thrill because we go to road courses around the Southeast VIR road, Atlanta, Sebring, um, just to name a few, but you know, a lot of people say, how fast does it go? Well, the, the straight line thing kind of, I don't want to say it gets old, but it, it, it's not very challenging um, holding your foot to the ground. It's mm -hmm. the, the braking and the cornering that this thing will do. That's, that's really awesome. So, you know, you have a lot of turns at, uh, for example, road Atlanta or VIR that are hundred to 120 mile an hour turns where you got to keep your foot in it and just, you know, 
kind of hope the car sticks, which is, Jeez. which is amazing. It's, yeah. it's a blast. So yeah, it's cool. And we've got, uh, like I mentioned before, we've got a bunch of guys throughout the country that have bought these things, restored them and uh, go out there. So there's always a nice field to race against. Um, and then for, for our program, um, I have an extremely supportive family. Um, so we, we do it on a, a very shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time we're at the track, it's my wife, my mom, you know, my sister, when she's able to come, my brother-in-law, anybody that's, anybody that's willing to help me for, you know, beer money or a sandwich, um, you know, welcome to the track to get, uh, to get all, all the help I can get. But my family is so supportive. I'm, I always make the joke. My mom is amazing because she's the only 60 some year old standing in the pit lane, t checking tire pressures after right, sessions. Right. Yeah. I saw and a great picture of her getting you like locked and loaded. Like yeah, yeah, don't drive yeah, too yeah. fast, but drive fast enough to win. That's right. That's right. She, yeah. Her, her message to me on the radio before every race is uh, go slow. <laughs> like but, uh, I don't, I don't think that works, but anyway, she, it's not because I make her, it's because she loves it. You know, yeah. she, she grew up around it with, with my dad and uh, kind of, kind of brings her back to those times with him. And um, yeah, it's, it's a cool deal that we're fortunate enough to be able to do. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty awesome. Where do you like racing that thing the most? I know you got a couple of tracks that, are probably near and dear to your heart or places that you just like to go race? Yeah. Um, fortunately, VIR, which is only an hour and 20 minutes north of us, mm -hmm. kind of northwest, um, is a fantastic facility, kind of a high-speed racetrack. Um, anybody that does road racing uh, knows that track really well. And then Road Atlanta is kind of my home track. I'm from Atlanta originally. Mm -hmm. That's where I went to driver's school, and I probably got the most laps at that track. Um, and I still remember going to Road Atlanta when I was a little kid with my dad, you know, um, back in the early eighties, watching him race and watching, you know, pro races and stuff like that. I just have a lot of fond memories of that place. And it's, it's just a cool, nostalgic, uh, track. And then the last one I would say is, uh, Sebring in Sebring, mm. Florida. Um, one of the oldest tracks in the country, I believe. And it's just got a ton of history down there with professional race. I mean, you know, like actor Steve McQueen race down there. I mean, oh, man, just yeah. a lot of cool history down there. So I enjoy it down there as well. We're more Lightning McQueen fans in this house, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> well, I felt cool like I, I had like a proud parent moment uh, this Halloween when my son came to me and said he wanted to be Steve McQueen for oh, Halloween. Nice, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. I felt like I was, I felt like I was winning as a dad that's when uh, when that happened. So we we got him a little driver suit and he went to Halloween as Steve Dude, McQueen, which was I awesome. Love it. Yeah, bro, I'll 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 help crew you sometime. Hey, anytime, we'll, man. We'll come to VI. I don't, we'll I don't pay very VI. well, but come no, on. for a sandwich, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. Yeah. yeah I love it. Uh, man, that, that is, uh, and it's a neat way to spend time with your family too, right? Because it seems like everybody's kind of all in on this thing. Right? Yeah, so, everybody is. I, you know, I say that, I, I think like my wife loves it because I love it. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. she's gotten into some of the competition. You know, she's competitive like me. So uh -huh. when I go out there, I think she gets, she gets pretty competitive as well. But it's, it's a really cool thing for us to do as a family. You know, it, it's rare that I'm at the track without my mom, my wife. Uh, my son would kill me if I was at the track without him. Yeah, he wouldn't be very happy at all. But uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. We have a lot of fun there. And you know, obviously, when the motor shut down, we all sit there and have a drink and and share some laughs and think about the day. And mm -hmm. um, it, it's awesome. So yes, the invitation's open to you, Brian. I'd love you to come up and uh, we'll we'll put a wrench in your hand. You can help. Let's out. do it, man. Let's do it. If yeah. you could, if you could jump in to any motorized vehicle other than the one you have and go race some laps, what would it be? Oh, uh, good question. 
That's a long list, but I'm going to give you yeah. one. There's a, a race car. The first Porsche to win Le Mans was a Porsche 917. And everybody that's driven those cars say they're the most scary cars to drive because they would do these crazy speeds and they're pretty unsafe. I would not want to go that fast in one, but I would love to just tool one around a racetrack sometime to say I did. Are these the ones that the they most... do like the 24 hours of Le Mans kind of thing? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the most iconic cars in history. I mean, it, it's as a, as a racer, a road racer, everybody knows what a Porsche 917 is and it's kind of the Holy grail of race cars. I'd love to just be able to tool one around. I don't think I'd take it at speed because it's, it's wicked scary, but uh, it, it'd be an awesome car to jump in and, and uh, get some laps in. You probably get the heart rate going a little bit pucker factor, a little high. A little, little bit pucker factor. You know, I think uh, you never know. When you get behind the wheel, crazy things happen. The, the foot gets heavy and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you tend to get a little brain fade when uh, when you get that adrenaline going. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love it. We'll have to, uh, when we're sitting around having cocktails or a, a post-race drink, I'll have to tell you the story about the time that Tony Stewart and I closed down a bar at three in the morning once in Decatur, Illinois. It's a great race. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Mr. The Smoke. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> It involves a case of Schlitz beer, a fifth of a mile racetrack, and an old beer bar in Decatur, <laughs> Illinois. Where That's smoke. awesome. Big fan of Tony Stewart. That guy is- uh, Me too, man. He was super nice to me uh, that night that we hung out. And uh, it was him and Matt Yoakum and a couple of friends of mine. And it's a, it's a fun story. It, be, better surfer in person, I'll tell it to you. The audience probably be like, well, you got to tell that story at some point. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. Say, I was, was going to say, was you a, might have to do a little spot on yourself. I'll, I'll interview you. You, yeah. I'll sit on your side and you can, uh, right. you can tell us the story. Oh, well, all right, listen, I'll tell it to you. It's, a, it's not super long of a story. So when I was yeah. working in television in Decatur, Illinois, right, my wife and I were there for, man, probably five years, 2010 to 2000 and, or 2005, 2010, something along those lines. And, and there was a little fifth of a mile racetrack in Macon, Illinois, right? This is central Illinois cornfields and then just a little racetrack, fifth of a mile dirt track. It was an awesome place. They did modifieds. And I mean, just, it was Friday night racing, right? Loud, dirty, all that good stuff. And Kenny Wallace and Kenny Schrader had a little ownership in this track in the middle of nowhere. And they got Stewart to buy a little ownership stock in it. So that meant that once or twice a year, he would come out and race. And I think he was racing midgets on that night. And we did a live interview with him on the, you know, five o'clock newscast, WAND sports, Brian Jodas, you know, doing the interview. And when we got done, uh, a friend of mine found out that him and his buddies had been drinking Schlitz beer because they had released <laughs> Schlitz out of Milwaukee, not the forties, right? The, the Schlitz beer. And, right. uh, and I said, Hey man, here's a six pack of Schlitz for you and the crew. It might've been two of them. Uh, you know, appreciate the interview. If you're looking for a cool place to hang out later where nobody's going to give you a hard time, there's this little dive bar in Decatur. Illinois. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll check that out. So we did the newscast at 10 o'clock. We went to the bar, hung around, hung around at about midnight. Sure as shit. Smoke comes walking in with Matt Yoakum. who was with him at the time. (laughs) And he kind of, you know, signals at me and I had my photographer who was with me and my other friend was bartending little town of Decatur, Illinois. And uh, we go to this back room where there's a pool table. We're just kind of hanging out. All these people are coming up to me. Like, can I get my picture with him? I'm like, no, man, get out of here. Like I told him this is a, (laughs) this is a cool place. Like chill out. So we hung out for a while and we got to like, it was probably one, one 30. And my friend who was bartending said, all right, you know, bars closing, bars closing. And Stuart was like, all right, we got to go. And he said, he said, hold on, hold on. You got, you guys stay. And it was me, the photographer, the bartender, smoke, yoke them. I was married. So I was being good. There's probably a couple girls with smoke at that time that maybe hung around for a little while afterwards. And, uh, so we're just hanging out, like having drinks, having some beers. 
we got to a point where we were taking a, what, what, what was it called where you drink? It was Red Bull and Jaeger. Jaeger bomb, I uh, guess. Jaeger bomb. Jaeger bomb, yeah. right? Yeah. And well, I don't, he might be mad. Well, you know what? Whatever. Whatever happens, happens. It's fine. It's a podcast. <laughs> and uh, we're like, come on, let's do some Jaeger bombs. He's like, I don't want to do one. But he's like, come on, pull your skirt up. He's like, fine, let's do it. <laughs> so we're doing that. We're like playing music off the jukebox. They had this old uh, burger grill that they were never allowed to start back up after 9 p.m. After 9 p.m., they were never allowed to start it back up in like the 50 years the place had been open. And Stuart was like, let's open it and like put some money on the counter. So we're like making hamburgers <laughs> and stuff. I had to call my wife to pick me up at three in the morning. Right. Like, hey, I'm wait, 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 drunk with Tony, Tony Stewart. She's like, what? Right. What happened? <laughs> Yeah, so, you have to be forgiven if you're going to drink a Tony's. Yeah, drink, yeah, right? yeah. And it was cool. And Yoakum gave him a ride home and I went my separate way. And that was pretty much it. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. See, that's that story is so cool because that's like an epitome of the racing community. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a more than any other sport. I think it's a very like these celebrities and racing are very approachable. You yeah. know, it's like, well, he so was deep. a little prickly with the media, but yeah. we were cool. We had a cool time. And what was neat was we were only about three hours from Chicago. So then whenever we would go up to Chicago land to cover the NASCAR race and he would be there, he'd always remember that. And he'd kind of bring us in and we'd get to get an interview with him first before, you know, sort of the Chicago media got their hands on him. So he was always cool to us, man. Yeah. I think, I, you know, I think it's funny, I, you know, being a gearhead, I think cars just in general bring people together. Like mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are. I mean, it's kind of a funny story, but I had a race car, <clears throat> gosh, 2018 that I had for sale. And I get a call from a guy and he's like, Hey, um, looking, looking to buy your car. This is John Oates. And I'm like, John Oates, huh? John Oates from Holland Oates. And uh, I ended up selling him this car and we ended up hanging out with him down at Amelia Island, him and his wife, Amy, like, yeah. you know, hanging out with John Oates, his rock and roll hall of famer. He what? couldn't have been any cooler. Like the nicest guy yeah. I still text and call him all the time. And he's, He's very approachable, very cool, but it's just, I think it's- Wait, I thought that was one guy. I thought his name was Holland Oates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's a cool community, the car the car world. So that's awesome. Yeah. You got to uh, tip some back with Tony Stewart. Yeah, no, it was, uh, those are all, most of the details I remember. I do remember we were standing at the jukebox and we were playing, we were picking door songs. And my friend who was the photographer was like, bro, we're standing at a jukebox picking out what door songs we're going to listen to with Tony Stewart at the winery <laughs> right. in Decatur, Illinois. Like what is happening here? Right. It was, uh, it was wild, but that's uh, sometimes that's the, the, the way that great, uh, great nights are made though. Right. That's right. Just on that's a whim. Right. That's right. Well, brother, man, yeah. it's been great to catch up and, uh, and hear about some of your journeys. Uh, man, wish you nothing but success in the racing world. And then obviously with the bike ride coming up in a few weeks, guys, the link uh, to that uh, fundraising page is in the show notes. So please go check it out. If you can get over and ride with them. Great. Uh, but at a minimum, maybe throw a little support and help again. It's one in eight that are impacted by this and almost 250,000 men across the United States this year alone. Davis, man, been great to catch up. Likewise, Brian. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. He's Davis Jones. I'm Brian Jodis. And this has been pick up the six podcast.